Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Haltech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Haltech. How are you? Good morning, AA. Good morning to the Haltech Hall listeners. Uh, hey, we're, we're celebrating a, uh, a Bears victory week, uh, one of uh, only five we've had so far, but hopefully uh, uh, we'll see another victory this Thursday uh, for a nice Thanksgiving present for all of us Bear fans. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to get too excited about that victory, but I'm happy that that we don't have to talk about the alternative. So, um, I think. Uh, Amen. That, but go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, I think unfortunately the that game uh, kind of just reminded me of all the things that have gone wrong with this team this year because it kind of put them all on display. Um, and then also at times it you know put on display what's what's good about this team still, and so. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it is a win. Uh, it's just a, it doesn't, <clears throat> didn't feel particularly um, great. And you know, I personally am not ready to uh, to jump back into this idea that we have a chance to make the playoffs, um, even though technically we're not mathematically eliminated. I still am uh, reticent to to jump back into the fray talking about playoff uh, uh, chances. Let's be realistic. It's it's going to be almost impossible for the Bears to get into the playoffs. Uh, they're five and six. You've got two teams in your own division with eight wins. So the likelihood, and you've got another team in the West that's got eight wins or nine wins. So you know that definitely one of the victories or one of the wildcard teams is going to come out of the West. Nobody's going to catch San Diego um, unless uh, or San Francisco if San Diego overtakes them. That's going to be a Seattle. Huge, I mean, um, did I? Yeah, I said yeah. Seattle. Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle is right now currently in second place. Um, the Rams aren't going anywhere this year. They're they're you know suffering that Super Bowl law losing team jinx that mm-hmm. we see that happens. Why is it that the losing team fails to make it back to the playoffs, but the winning team seems to keep rolling. It, it just befuddles me. It, it yeah. just befuddles a lot of a lot of the experts out there. And, and uh, by all means, I'm not considering myself an expert. Right. But the, uh, it's just amazing. It is strange. You know, that, that the, the Super Bowl losing team the following year struggles to make the playoffs. And well, it's for virtually the same team. 
from last year that the Rams have. And, and not only that, <clears throat> I feel like the teams that lose the Super Bowl, a lot of them <clears throat> go into a tailspin for multiple seasons. It's not just the next season. I mean, you look at the Falcons. <clears throat> the Falcons have basically never recovered from that 28-3 to three, uh, comeback that the Patriots put on them in the Super Bowl. I mean, it, you look, and th- but then you look at some teams like the Bills, <clears throat> you know, when they were going back to the Super Bowl again and again, and uh, you know, and even the Broncos, you know, some teams seem to rebound, but <clears throat> it does seem like uh, that once you lose the Super Bowl, it kind of can set the tone for your organization, um, <clears throat> and then once you win the Super Bowl, the same thing, it, it can, you know, certainly. Um, you know, change everything uh, as far as your confidence level and and uh, you know what you're able to do. You mentioned the Buffalo Bills of the '90s. You know, four straight trips to the Super Bowl, four four losses. And if you're a Bills fan, uh, it, you know the the old adage that it it was the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. Just truly fits that, that <clears throat> genre. You know, they great teams. Norwoods, you know, Norwoods wide right. I think it was against the Giants in mm-hmm. that streak. Yeah. Uh, you know the the Frank Reich 31 point uh, comeback in the second half over Houston uh, to get to the Super Bowl one year was absolutely one of the most amazing games I've ever witnessed. But uh, it yeah, it just befuddles the mind that we can possibly be sitting here and, and talking about in recent history how a losing Super Bowl team uh, just goes in a, into a dry spell. You you mentioned the, the you mentioned the Falcons. What about the Panthers? Yeah. Yes, that was that. You know they they've never made it back into the into contention and now they're dealing with a quarterback controversy and mm-hmm. uh, the injury to cam newton and of course now anytime a quarterback gets benched that's got somewhat of a name behind them uh you know bears uh <laughs> fanatics uh will will go oh we want to get this guy how many, right. how many how many times have we seen we've seen Rivers, we've seen Cam Newton, we've seen RG3, we've seen uh, Carson Carson Wentz, uh, no Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they've all been mentioned. Uh, the the kid in the kid in Kansas uh, in Cincinnati. Yeah, Dalton. Uh, you, know, you know they they've all been mentioned as oh we'd love to get Alex we'll Smith. Careful. You know it comes you know he's I don't think Alex Smith is ever going to play again. But that's uh, that's right. another story for for another right. time. But, you know, he suffered a Joe Theismann-like injury, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and and that ended his career. Uh, it wasn't quite the severity of, uh, of Zach Miller's, but that injury ended Miller's career. I doubt this guy's ever going to come back into the league, and if he does, you know, I'll wish him, I'll wish him all the best. But... So we get to talk about a Bears victory for a change, but early mm-hmm. on, you know, I was, I was posting on Twitter during the game, and you know, all three phases of the of the team just looked terrible. You know, special teams looked terrible. The defense looked a little shoddy at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came they came around in the yeah. in the second half, uh, but the offense just looked terrible. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lights go on and and they finally get to they they prove something. It just absolutely befuddles my mind that they can do what they do 
and you know, and they sneak away with with a win. You know, the Bears yeah. were, were, were terrible in in their first drive. You know, they had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they did get 67 yards on their second drive of the first quarter, but it ended in that interception in the end zone. Um, yep. No, I'm not going to blame that one on Trubisky because uh, the receiver that was short should have been further to the right side hash, but that allowed the, the linebacker that was kind of covering the zone to sneak back, and then he made a great play on the ball. It was, it was a well-thrown ball. It just ended up being an interception, which is the story of Trubisky's year so far. Uh, yeah, I got to disagree with you there because I think that when you throw a post – to the end zone, you need to throw it where the receiver, only your receiver can make a play on it. I, I think it, all day that game, he was throwing the ball short and <clears throat> with not a lot of zip on it. It was accurate, which was pretty good, but it was enough. I mean, if you watched Gabriel and Robinson and Miller, they were constantly having to stop and slow down and go to the ground to catch these balls. Um, from him and I just feel like that if you're throwing that to Miller you need to put more air under it so that he can make a play and if it if he doesn't make a play it just goes out of the back of the end zone and and I mean I agree maybe A-Rob shouldn't have dragged his man into the play but they were playing back to begin with Um, and then Trubisky again as he did multiple times in that game ignored open underneath receivers to try to go downfield um, you know, and I just feel like you, you, at the end of the day, that's a throw into the middle of the field with a lot of traffic. When he had Montgomery open, he had Broniker coming across the middle. Um, he didn't need to take a shot into the end zone necessarily right there. Um, but if he did make a little bit better of a throw, because Ogl- I mean, Ogletree had to make a, <clears throat> a pretty darn good leaping catch to get it. I just think like, you know, it was a shot that they didn't really need to take at that particular moment. And it was after, unfortunately, a really bad drop on Broniker, which was the play after he was hit really hard and concussed, um, it turns out, um, although he didn't, uh, you know, the injury was reported after the game. So I don't know. I mean, I don't give Mitch a pass on that one, to be honest. I just feel like a better quarterback um, makes a better throw there. Uh, good observations. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll still I'll still say, I mean, the, the ball was 11 feet in the air when the guy grabbed it for a touch for the interception. And to your point about the the consistent underthrows that we saw, even the touchdown pass to Robinson was was underthrown and he had to adjust to the ball, made a good adjustment, and ended up getting in the end zone. Uh, he was getting the ball out. You know, one of the things that we have constantly seen week after week after week is Mitch under overthrowing mm-hmm. and, and sometimes by 10 feet. Right. You know, so it's, you know, I guess you you got to take the good with the bad. And in this case, the good was he wasn't overthrowing mm-hmm. and you know, he ended up having a, a pretty, a pretty decent game. Uh, then we get into the second half. And then in the second half, the, the you know the Bears actually uh, were were ahead in the game, and then they they had you know again the t- a touchdown, a field goal, a touchdown. Um, so it's it's interesting that 
I want, and I wanted to point this out, the third third quarter, Mitch Trubisky. I wish we had third quarter Mitch for yeah. four quarters. Okay, and what do I mean by that? Mitch Trubisky, by quarter, in the first quarter, he's had a 73.7 rating with 5.1 yards per attempt. He's only had a 4.8 yards per attempt, even though his rating's a little higher in the second quarter. Uh, 4.8 versus an 80.6 rating. In the fourth quarter, 5.3 yards per attempt with a rating of only 67.7. But in the third quarter, the third quarter, 8.7 yards per attempt, a passer rating of 107.7. So what turns Mitch on in the third quarter? You know, what turns him on? You know, when you when you look at the Bears' points in, in the Bears' ranking against the league, they've only scored 24 points in the first quarter, 28 points in the fourth quarter, 52 points in the second quarter. In those, the first quarter, they're 30th in the league. They're last in the league in, in points scored in the fourth quarter. They're tied for 28th in the league in the second quarter. But in the third quarter, the Bears have scored 84 points. They're second in the league in points scored in the third quarter. It's bizarre. It it is absolutely unexplicable that we can be so good in one quarter and so bad in the other three. Yeah, I mean, and my frustration was with you in that, you know, the first series of the game, they come right out, and here we are with Tariq Cohen as the single back again. And I just was like, are you kidding me? Like, how, why? Why are they doing this? And so he runs, he gets four yards, he runs to the sideline. Then it's a toss sweep, and he runs to his old friend, the sideline. And then Mitch forces the ball to A-Rob, who's not open, and you have a third and out. And I'm just sitting here going, like, here we go again. You know, and I just I just don't understand. Like, it's like they have to, and they did go hurry up. They did they did have Mitch roll out. They did do some of the things that we've wanted to see, and some of the things that we know have worked. Um, but during that long drive, that 77-yard drive, that ended in an interception, uh, David Montgomery had a 13-yard run, and then was off the field for like half of the drive, for no for no reason whatsoever. And then you get down almost in the red zone, and Nagy calls a, a, a weird, like, shotgun toss sweep to Tariq, who, again, streaks straight for the sideline. Like, and I just don't understand what they're doing. Like, they, you know, it's like they, they, they get something to work, and then they just completely go away from it. Um, and then it seems like maybe after the halftime, they go on, like, a script uh, and and that usually seems to get things going, but I mean the the run blocking was absolutely horrible. Uh, the pass blocking was actually pretty good, and and somebody put out a stat that you know the the pass blocking is actually eighth in the league um, this year, and you know so that's at least something to 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 note and to feel somewhat positive about. But the run blocking has just been atrocious. I mean, you know, people are starting to get on David Montgomery for not being this and not being that, but the guy literally is having to dodge his own offensive linemen who are being pushed back into him 
uh, right after he gets the ball. I mean, he he can't even, you know, he's he's breaking tackles against his own guys, you know, because the guys are getting blown up that third and one. Finally, they don't run some cute garbage on third and one, and Rashad Coward just completely gets beaten right in the backfield, and there you go. You know, I don't know why they didn't run a sneak there, but but then you know you mentioned the special teams, and the special teams was a total mess again. Um, even the punt unit, which has been solid, was screwing things up. The only thing you could say about the special teams is that Corderell, possibly Corderell Patterson, was maybe the the player of the game um, with his with the way he was able to down the ball uh, on those punts and save the touchdown by Jabril Peppers on that return but that you know that debacle on the on the two-point conversion which turned into a 48-yard extra point with the too many men on the field and i mean i just don't understand how tabor still has a job like it's it's brutal like i just you know i hope that that they're willing like my fear is that we turn it around and we end up with a nine and seven season and they just reset everything and think, oh, well, that was just a down year. Let's just go for it again. When they really, I think they really need to clean house on the coordinators and get Helfrich and Tabor and not Pagano. I think he's fine. I think the defense has been fine. Uh, actually, very good. But get some new people around Nagy um, and change, you know, change the mindset because. I just feel like that Helfrich and Childress and Tabor, you know, and even Ragone. I mean, how could you look at what they've done in this quarterback incubator that they've created and say, oh, well, this has been successful? I mean, it just, you can't. So. No, you, you can't say that. That's for sure. But I don't think we're going to see any changes, at least not not this year. I think they're, they're yeah. going to want to give it three full years under the same system. And, and look, you know, Trubisky got injured. Um, you know, he he hasn't been – he wasn't himself when he first came back after the injury. Uh, their, their offensive line early in the season was terrible against both the rush and, and pass blocking. And, you know, do you remember the Monday night game of the Jets and the Patriots and Sam Darnold came off the field and he mm-hmm. did – they caught him saying, I'm seeing ghosts. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Trubisky has to feel like early in the season. So, you know, he's rushing his throws, which throws his footwork off, which causes him to sail the ball, which is what we saw. But, you know, he got the ball out pretty damn well this game. Uh, but there were still some problems with, with protection. And, you know, he's not he's not anticipating his throws like he did last year in the second half of the year. Uh, well, in the mid portion of the year, from from like game, from the the Tampa game until he got injured against Minnesota, it's it's just frustrating to see that you've got all of this talent on offense and it's being wasted. Uh, we're gonna when we start to talk about the, the Detroit game coming up, uh, and we're we're taping on Wednesday, so this game will be tomorrow. Uh, it doesn't look like Broniker is going to play. It doesn't look like uh, like Gabriel's going to play because they both have concussions. Uh, so we're going to see we're going to see more of Wims. We're going to see probably Ridley finally you know dress for a game. But when you take a look at 
at some of these these stats from last week, Montgomery was only on the field for 62% of the stats. He was only on the, the field for for 47 plays. Cohen was on for 42, Gabriel for 42. I don't know whether Gabriel was out of the game towards the end because I wasn't paying that much attention. I was more more focused on mm-hmm. uh, the defense collapsing again in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Cordero Patterson only on the field for 12 snaps. Javon Wins was on the field 34 times. Right, and you barely, the only time I remember him was when he didn't know what the heck was going on on the interception play because he, he you could see him on that play. Mitch, Mitch, also the other thing that Mitch did well was he they got him up to the line early and he, he seemed to be making a lot of calls and line line you know audibles. But on that play, he called something, and Wims is, like, putting his hands up, looking like, I don't know, and, and Mitch is trying to adjust everybody. And I just sit there and go, like, how is this guy not know where to go? <laughs> you know, he's been doing nothing but sitting here waiting to get in the game, and then he gets in the game and doesn't know where to go. Like, it's just – it's very it's it's very frustrating. I just would love to see Nagy just set <clears throat> up – a certain personnel group, like let's see Miller, A-Rob, and um, Gabriel, and let's see Cohen and Montgomery, and we don't have any tight ends, so go with, you know, one tight end, uh, Holtz or something, and call it a day, and leave that personnel group in there and let them work, because we just keep running people in and out, and it's like, it just doesn't do anything. One of the things that's coming out of camp uh, over the last couple of days is with the injury to Broniker and, of course, Shaheen. I don't know why Shaheen is not even on uh, injured reserve, but Cordero Patterson stepped up and said, I can play tight end. And I'm thinking about that, and the more I think about it, the more I like the idea. Uh, This goes back, you know, a few years when – the Bears were playing Dallas on a Monday night, and they just had the, the Dallas offense completely hogtied. And what happens? They come out of halftime, and they line up T.O. in the backfield. He, they lined him up as a running back, and the Bears didn't have an answer. And He just went wild in the second half, especially over the middle. And the Bears had no answer for T.O. as a running back, and, and they ended up winning the game pretty handily. So putting Patterson in, a, and I, I have no doubt that Patterson, with the body type that he has, that he can play the tight end position. Uh, he, you know, when you look at tight ends in, in this genre of offense that we see nowadays, there's very seldom do you ever see a tight end held up at the line of scrimmage unless he's chip blocking? You know, the he, tight ends almost always get a free release off the line. So why not put Patterson at tight end? Why yeah. not put Montgomery in the uh, you know, as a, your lone setback? Uh, if Gabriel is out, put Cohen in the slot. All right. Uh, you're going to see, you know, well, we saw Wims on the field, but – you know, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me for um, receptions, but I don't even know how many times he was targeted, if any. 
uh, during last week's game. So, yeah. So, so you know, when when we sit here and we're all talking about how Miller doesn't run the right patterns, all of a sudden he has a good game. I yeah, you know, I gotta give you give Anthony Miller credit. He had a pretty decent game. He caught a lot of tough balls, uh, and you know, he was you know he was targeted as the main receiver on several of those catches. Yeah, it's Rob- a, Wims was targeted two times. He had. Uh, Robinson, 10 targets. Miller, 10 targets. Um, Cohen, 9 targets. He had 7. This is Every week, it's the same stat line for Cohen. He has multiple receptions and no yards. 7 catches for 29 yards. It's almost impossible to get that many catches and have that few yards, but Mitch just throws him these weird checkdowns, and Cohen just streaks to the sideline like he's like like there's a prize on the sideline that he has to get to, <laughs> but but you're right, Wims. I mean, not there. Horstead, you know, had one catch for four yards, one target. And then Miller, you're right. Miller played well. I mean, <clears throat> to me, it's a massive failing of this of this coaching regime to to for us to be sitting here talking about how we can't get Anthony Miller going. He's clearly a very talented receiver. And they like to talk about, oh, he doesn't run the right routes and this, that, and the other. Well, so what? Like, get him the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, get the guy the ball. It doesn't. Everything doesn't have to be these, you know, these timing routes. Like, I would love to see them give Anthony Miller to to uh, to Aaron Rodgers. You know, I guarantee you there'd be no complaints about route running. Aaron Rodgers would just find him in space and. You know, uh, there was a thing where somebody said that Anthony Miller's like sixth in the league in separation of getting open. You know, he's typically he's typically open. I mean, you know, it may not be like the at the exact perfect depth, but like it's you know stuff happens. Guys get bumped off their routes, you know, and you know you see what happens when you get him the ball. And and it, just like with most receivers, you you got to get them going early, or they might, you know disappear especially young receivers if you don't get them going early sometimes you lose them um but yeah i mean i just you're right about patterson why the i mean how is this not a backup plan when they know the tight end situation when they know how how thin they are i just feel like they were very uh ignorant to the fact that you know there was a really strong chance that burton was not going to come around and shaheen was just going to continue to be himself and not develop and they really didn't you know like it was their backup plan really soul you know i mean i, I just feel like patterson uh, at the beginning of the year we were frustrated with all the weird ways that Nagy was trying to use him and now he's just like it's like he's not even a thought on offense um you know, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's it just feels like sometimes Nagy is just throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. You know, and 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 people say, oh, he's not adjusting, and he's definitely adjusting. I mean, he's he's you know, I think sometimes he's over adjusting. You know, they went to the I formation a while a couple of weeks ago, and it worked well, and they haven't they've barely revisited it. I mean, it just you know, <laughs> it's puzzling. Um, the, the, you know, the, how they abandon things that work and then, you know, go back to things that don't work. And we're just left scratching our head going, well, what about this guy? I don't know. You were talking about 
Cohen's stats earlier uh, in the podcast, Cordero Patterson did not even touch the, the stat sheet offensively. He was on the field for 12 plays, 12 plays, zero targets, zero times touching the ball. When we talked about Cohen, here's an interesting stat on, on Cohen's statistics. Of his seven receptions for 29 yards, one of them was for 14. So that means he got 15 yards on on six receptions. That's less than three yards per catch. Right, because there was a one there was a one play where he was in the slot and made a really nice that was a really nice quick pass. And I was just like, why aren't we doing this? Like this works. They got Cohen on a linebacker in the slot. Let's do this and then never again. Well, it'll be interesting to see if they put Cohen in the slot more with with Gabriel most likely being out of the game yeah. on Thursday because he's in concussion protocol. Uh, you know, concussion protocol, I got to say the NFL probably does it better than any other league when it comes to concussions. Uh, if they, they sense anything, you know, they're immediately taken out of the game and go into protocol. Uh, I don't think that since he's already missed a game and a half or two and a half games that you know, he's like, I don't see how he can possibly make it back in just three days. No. He's so be it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. You've got, you know, you've got Jesper Horstad is your, is your tight end to replace Broniker. And that would, would, you know, people were crying for Horstad to make the team after final cuts, just like they were, they were crying about Alex Bars being a, uh, um, you know, somebody that should make the team. And so here we are. And wouldn't it, wouldn't it be, it would be the best of times and the worst of times. We talked about that earlier. Horstead comes in and, and, you know, catches like 10 passes for 120 yards and a touchdown. And people will be, this is great, but why did we not see that earlier this year? Keeping him on the, so it's, it's almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, and you know the same thing with uh, with with wins. You know he's on the field, but they're never throwing him the ball. So who's going to be taking over for Miller? Not Miller, but Gabriel's touches. Is it going to be Cohen? Is it going to be Wims? Is it going to be Patterson? You know, put Patterson outside. Put Allen Robinson in the slot. Uh, that would be an interesting to put to put Robinson in the slot and make a linebacker cover him. Or, well, that's ha- that's or been happening. That's been happening lately. Yeah. Or or their their uh, or their nickel mm-hmm. defensive back. So he's obviously the third best corner on the team. So why not force the coverage to guard Robinson by playing him in the slot? So there's right. there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that that the bears can now do with this roster. So it's going to be interesting to see. We've um, got uh, nobody. We've got Dax Raymond still on the practice squad. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of people talked, talked well about him back yeah. in the, uh, back in the summer. So do you put Shaheen on injured reserve and, and call up Dax Raymond? Who knows? So it's, it's going to be interesting, but before we get, into the future, we still have to finish talking about the Giants. And one of the most disappointing aspects of the game, aside from the, the first quarter, which was just a 
I posted on on uh, Twitter uh, a guy drenched in manure. <laughs> yeah, you know, like an old Western dude, and you know, got a lot of com- positive comments about that. And that's what it was. It was, you know, it was the first quarter was just full of manure on, on all three phases of the game. But then the Bears defense came around. The first 10 drives that the, the, the Giants had only amounted for 117 yards. The defense was only on the field for, I think it was less than 15 plays in the second half. And then they proceeded to allow almost as many yards in one drive as they did the entire first 10 drives when they they let up that 12-play, 97-yard touchdown drive. And it was just same old, same old fourth quarter. Yep. I just, you know, it absolutely boggles my mind that this defense can do what it does and then all of a sudden they fall apart. They were on the field for 11 plays. 11 plays the the entire uh, second half prior to that drive. A one there was a three three and out. There was a first play fumble that they recovered. There was another three and out. Then there was a four play drive that ended up getting turned over on downs before. They had a nine, I'm sorry, a four-play drive, but it only lasted, it lasted four minutes and 55 seconds, counting a five-yard penalty that drive totaled 102 yards. They'd only given up 117 yards in the first 10 drives. That's what just rips at my gut. Mm-hmm. That it, and it happens. It happened against Oakland. It happened against Washington. Yep. How, how many other teams has it happened against? You know, the only time I don't think they had, you know, the, the New Orleans game was so out of hand that the Bears actually came back and scored two touchdowns right. in jump time. So it just boggles my mind that this defense can play so well for so long and then all of a sudden they take a net. Yeah. And I don't know if it's if it's they're playing soft because they're protecting a 13-point lead or whatever the case may be. But when you play not to lose, you generally find yourself in a position that you you end up almost losing or losing like they did against Oakland. And it just, just frustrates the hell out of me. When you talk about the great Bears defenses of, of yesteryear, there was a lot of yards that, that those defenses let up in the fourth quarter, but it was jump time because they were ahead. And, you know, they were playing soft and, and playing, you know, whatever, playing a lot of subs and whatnot. But this is your first stringers out on the field, and all of a sudden the lights go out for 10, 12 plays. And now we're ending up fighting to, to preserve the victory. And what made it even worse was, you know, the Bears on their last drive um, went three and out, only had the ball for 33 seconds after that that 11-play touchdown drive. And the Giants ended up getting the ball 
Um, they only gained 29 yards, and then they turned it over on downs to, to end the game, and Mitch took a knee, um, you know, a couple, three, two or three times to, to end the game. But, but so the defense suffers a massive brain fart, and then the offense goes back on the field and immediately turns the ball back over to the offense, and here we go again, and what the hell's going to happen? Fortunately, this time, you know, since they were playing the Giants, whose offensive line is pretty weak, uh, they weren't able to, to, you know, turn, you know, steal, steal victories from the jaws of defeat. But it was the, uh, on the other hand, it was the Bears trying to let uh, defeat come in from the jaws of victory. It just boggles the mind that we see the same, 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 same week in, week out. They easily, they they could easily be eight and three, or they could easily be three and eight this year. There's not, you know, that's how close the margin for error of this team turns out to be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird because, you know, I mean, you look at the, you know, we come out, right? You know, we come out, we score five plays, 60 yards touchdown, then the defense gets the Giants to punt. Then we have eight plays, 88 yards, we get a field goal. Then we get the fumble, and then we get a touchdown off of the turnover. Then the defense forces them to punt. Then Mitch throws a very bad interception, but then the defense gets him the ball back. And what do we do? Six plays, 20 yards, punt. But that actually drive took took a fair amount of time, so the defense can't say that they're tired. Um I mean, I feel like, you know, that consistently this year they've been susceptible to the the deep ball. Um, and obviously, you know, that throw to Tate was was an absolute prayer. Um, but we seem to be susceptible to that from the first game of the season. You know, when uh, <clears throat> when Rodgers did it on the rollout uh, and killed us, it just seems like, you know, that we continue to be susceptible to that. Um, the other thing is that I don't think they're playing that soft um, when these things are happening. That you know, I've actually mentioned that they that they seem to you know kind of come with some corner blitzes and things that honestly I think that that uh, hurt us. Um, so you know that's something they got to look at. Um, but at the end of the day, the defense is still not allowing their fourth in the league in points allowed, you know, they're doing their job. They haven't, uh, they haven't allowed a team to score a touchdown on their first possession since week seven against the Patriots last season. Um, you know, so it's fair to criticize them definitely. Um, and it was nice to see Khalil Mack show up and, and make an impact in this game. Um, but at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's, it's just like, it just seems like they are they can't be perfect, and for whatever reason, the times when they give up points is always in the fourth quarter. Um, and what kills me is that then the offense can't come out and just get a first down, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, it, the, the Giants missed two field goals. So, you know, how different is this game if Saquon catches that swing pass that went right through his hands, which probably would have been a touchdown. And then Aldrick Rosas, you know, makes it two kicks, which weren't his fault. They were both bad snaps. So 
you know, uh, that that happens. And we're talking about another loss and a bunch of, you know, so it's just I think a lot of what we're talking about right now is sort of being looked at through rose colored glasses because of the win. Um, when really you had a team in the Giants that was giving up 32 points a game over the course of a six game losing streak. And we put up 19 points against them. I mean, it's it's bad <laughs> like to put up 19 points and expect the defense once again to to not allow more than 20 points, which, of course, they did. It, it's just not you know, it's just not realistic. It's not sustainable, um, you know, and and <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I could tell you one thing. We need to score more points, you know, and um, that will solve a lot of problems. I think uh, the defense, you know, is is playing with this mentality of like they have to be perfect. And when they crack, it's just the timing is bad. Yeah, don't uh, you know, for those of us listening, uh, our fans listening in today, don't don't think that I don't appreciate this Bears defense because they are playing their butts off. It is a shame that this, this season has has been what it has been. But, you know, the Bears have uh, the Bears have have only scored 188 points. So they've only allowed 188 points on the year. So you don't see teams win with this terrible of, of an offense. They've only scored more than 20 points one, two, two times all year. Two times all year they've only scored more than, than, than 20 points. Uh, and, of course, they lost one of those games because that was the game that they, they got the two garbage touchdowns against New Orleans in the, the fourth quarter. So they've only they've they've scored less than 20 points or less in four of their five victories. And I, I challenge you to find another team in the league that has been able to do that. So that that wraps up our 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 post-game talk on the Giants. We're going to take a break uh, and hear a word from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk Detroit. We're going to talk Thanksgiving. And we're going to talk about a, a few historical games that the Bears have played on Thanksgiving Day. We'll be right back. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere welcome back everybody and thank you ticksplits.com for your sponsorship all year uh, remember if you go to ticksplits.com and enter the promo code tailgate that's all caps t-a-i-l-g-a-t-e you will save five percent on any ticket purchase not just sports but concerts comedy music festivals broadway shows vegas shows you name it TickSplits.com for all of your ticket needs. And not only do you save money with our promo code, TickSplits.com 
does not charge any service fees. So if you're looking at a $250 ticket on tick splits and you see a $220 ticket on one of the major ticket sites, you know, the, we, we like to call them the hub guys uh, and, and the geeks. Um, by the time you add in their service fees, they're far more expensive than TickSplit seats are. So give them a shot if you haven't already. Uh, and right now they are donating a portion of their proceeds to the Paralyzed Veterans of America. So your ticket purchase can help those who stood on the wall and paid uh, a sacrifice because they're now you know, a paraplegic or a quadriplegic uh, or whatever the case may be, uh, and that money can go for a great cause to help veterans who absolutely need it. So thank you, TickSplits, for your sponsorship this year. We hope you'll stay with us next season as well. Double A, Detroit. We actually have some great news about the Bears-Detroit rivalry. When the Bears beat Detroit earlier this month, it was the very first time a Bears team has beaten an opponent 100 times. So how appropriate that in the 100th year of, of this uh, NFL, in the Bears' 100 years, they earned their 100th victory over the Detroit Lions. Uh, they're getting close with Green Bay, but they got to start beating Green Bay on a more regular basis. Uh, 100 victories, only 74 losses. There have been five ties in in the series. Uh, and the Bears have now won three straight after losing nine of their last 10 against the Lions. So what are your thoughts about this game? Well, um, you know, I mean, the Lions are bad. Again, um, you, it's like... Uh, Death taxes and the Lions are bad. These are the things you can count on. Um, you know, they they brought in a defensive coach in Patricia. They don't seem to have much of a defense. Um, they, you know, uh, Stafford uh, has been hurt. Uh, their running backs have been hurt. Um, and, you know, despite all that, they still have a pretty highly ranked offense. I think their offense is ninth in the league. Um but they can't really stop anybody. Uh, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's a game that the Bears should be able to win. Uh, they Anything can happen on Thanksgiving, though. Thanksgiving tends to be one of those uh, wacky days where you see some weird stuff happen. Um, and, you know, the Bears haven't particularly fared well of late in Ford Field, um, uh, save that uh, game uh, that Chase Daniel started uh, last season. Um, so, you know, I think in some ways it's a good thing that it's a short week, although we have the injury issues, but, um, I think it's probably good to just get back on the field. Uh, the less, the less, uh, noise and press conferences and stuff that they have to deal with, the better. Um, and you know, it, the lions are extremely beatable They're You know, they're talking about their third string quarterback at this point. Um, so, because uh, Driscoll has a hamstring issue, so uh, it should be it should be a game that the Bears can win, uh, and uh, hopefully we can sort of build on some of the positives that we saw uh, from last week. But again, you know, on a <clears throat> nationally televised game with an early start on Thanksgiving, I mean, who knows? Who knows what could happen? 
Well, I'll be eating Thanksgiving dinner uh, during the game, so uh, hopefully they, they don't look as bad as they did at, at the early part of uh, last week's game, so I don't lose my appetite. Um, but while we've been recording, uh, Twitter just came through with a, a tweet about the uh, quarterback uh, for the Detroit Lions, and he says he's feeling better. Uh, so we're looking at Jeff Driscoll. He's a second-year man out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, if he can't go, uh, they have a 10-year journeyman by the name of David Blau, who would have to be uh, uh, he would have to come in in, in his in his stead. So um, you can't take. And I apologize. Blau is a rookie. I, I apologize. Um, but you can't take Driscoll for granted because he came in, he, he started against the Bears. I think that was his first start, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. And on, they, they ripped right down the field on the Bears. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be a three and out like it was against the, the Packers to start the season. The, because they, they were definitely fired up and ready, but all of a sudden, this guy just picked the defense apart. And luckily, the Bears ended up winning the game. So it, it's just one of those frustrating things yeah. with the, with this Bears defense. Um, their, their star running back, Gary Johnson, went on injured reserve earlier this year, and quite frankly, this team has never recovered. Offensively, they, they, they seem to go up and down the field between the 20s, but they, they don't get the ball into the end zone as often as they should. And defensively, um, which is a surprise, with Patricia being their head coach, why they're not better defensively. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of people upset in Detroit. Um, they, they're talking about boycotting the game, and, um, you know, they – they're they're rightfully upset. I mean, you they basically brought in this secondhand uh, Patriots regime, uh, and the results are not there. Um, you know, they're they're making signings and spending money and doing things and uh, bringing in these ex-Patriots left and right. And you know, Patricia's trying to bring in the Patriot way, and uh, you know, it hasn't looked good from the outside. Um, you know, for his press conferences and so forth. And the results are certainly not there on the field. Um, and it's uh, it's odd. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that David Blau guy. I mean, he's actually was pretty good at Purdue, um, you know, it, and uh, I was already in my mind envisioning the scenario where he gets to start and, of course, you know, looks amazing because it seems like, Guys that nobody's ever seen, um, you know, tend to tend to have that that kind of moment, um, you know, where they have a game that nobody was expecting. Uh, so, I mean, but I don't now really they, know. But now right. we've got film on him. That that's the key. Right. Is, With Driscoll, now... yes. But Driscoll, I mean, I think you mentioned this. Driscoll, uh, you know, he looked very good against the Bears. I mean, they, they, he outplayed Trubisky in a lot of ways. I mean, he had his he had the turnovers, but. But, you know, he was moving the ball against the Bears uh, in Soldier Field pretty well, you know. So uh, I think he's going to play. I mean, the guy, the guys, you know, he he better, you know, he's got to gut it out. It's a good opportunity for him to showcase himself, at least as a backup for somebody next season. 
Um, you know, so I think he's going to play, um, you know, but I just look at the, you know, to me, this looks like another, you know, kind of ugly game. Uh, I think the bears will win. You know, I said, uh, maybe 24, 17 bears, um, you know, would be what I would look at. And, and I think it's going to be another up and down, uh, game. How do you put a finger on it? You just don't know what to expect from the Bears week in and week out. You know, they could come out and score 21 points in the first quarter for the first time in forever. And that will, you know, winning cures a lot of uh, ailments. But it's still only going to put them at six and six. You know, if if Detroit, I'm sorry, if, if Minnesota and Green Bay both win this weekend, they have nine victories versus our six losses. Now that that puts uh, the magic number at, at two win, wins for either one of those teams, or two losses or any combination thereof, and we can't catch them. Uh, we, you know, Green Bay's got a half a game edge over us to, to begin with because of the tiebreaker. So it's it's frustrating that we can you know see some light at the end of the tunnel if the Bears finally start performing the way we thought they would all year. But then they got to play Dallas. they got to play Kansas City. Uh, at least they have those two games at home. And then they, they follow up with games against Detroit, I'm sorry, against Minnesota to end the year and at Green Bay. So what, what, are, what are our expectations? You know, we don't want them to tank, obviously. Uh, I don't. I never want to see a, a Bears team lose uh but you know maybe they can pick up a little momentum you know every year is different but i'd like to think that that they could pick up some momentum from this year moving forward in, into next year i think they still need some help against along the offensive line uh especially on the the right side um the the left side seems to be pretty darn good with you know with daniels and, and leno you've got massey and whoever is replacing him on the right and it's just that's the right side that that's been causing a lot of problems even though the bears technically are pretty sound in terms of, of pass protection uh but this the one part of the game that's still missing is the running game and the running game sets up the play action passing I think one thing you'll see this this in this game is I I think you'll see Mitch Trubisky continuing to get out of the pocket like he's we saw a little bit this past Sunday against the Giants. I think you'll see a little bit of the you know muddle huddle or, or whatever you want to call it a little bit more of an up tempo because I think that really uh, lends itself to Trubisky's game because he doesn't have to sit back and think. All he has to do is go out and perform. And when he does that in the third quarters and in the end of half drives, he plays well. It's when he sits back in the huddle and thinks about everything he has to do, I think that's when he gets a little bit bogged down mentally. Uh, and that's going to have to change going into year three under uh, the Nagy offense. So there's a lot of things we, we do need to look at with this game. We need to see that the defense... Now that they've seen Driscoll on film, and you know, just like I said, uh, you know, a twi- Twitter just feed just came out uh, while we were we've been recording that saying 
that Driscoll is is feeling a little bit better and he's going to try to give it a go tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I hope he does because if he does and the Bears still play well, uh, they can't, they being the detractors, and there's been a lot of places and, and, uh, and fans out there and even, you know, talking heads, uh, you know, would, would just jump on the fact that, oh, the Bears, you know, not only did they have to win against, they, they get a win against a bad team, but they barely squeaked by against their third string quarterback. We'll, we'll hear about that. Um, so it's, it's going to be, going to be interesting. But before we get into our history segment, Aaron, there was a, a couple of things happened uh, on Twitter and on the radio in the Chicagoland area. I'm sure you've either heard about it, maybe you've heard the interview uh, on uh, on ESPN 1000 radio. Uh, Akeem Hicks was uh, on the Waddle and Sylvie show, and they were talking about Bears fans jumping off the bandwagon in, in Akeem Hicks with a, a plea to say, hey, stick with us. We've battled through some injuries. Uh, we're going to fight through this, and we might not make the playoffs this year, but we'll be better next year. And uh, a former Bears player, Tommy Waddle, made just a, a crucial, it was a sarcastic comment meant to be funny, but it was so inappropriate that uh, Akeem Hicks actually hung up on the interview and said, I'll never come back on your show. Did you get a chance to either hear or read about that, Aaron? Yeah, I saw it. I, um, people started posting it, and I totally agree with you. Um, I I listened to it, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I listen to Waddle and Sylvie almost every day. I like those guys. Um they are very sarcastic. They're very, um, you know, they're very funny most of the time. Um, they do a lot of kind of cracking on each other and and so on and so forth. Um, I don't. It was a bad. It was just bad by Waddle. I mean, it wasn't funny. It was. It, he interrupted Akeem um, when Akeem, I think, was being very earnest. Um, and you know, he kind of tried to make. You know, he basically said. You know, well, people do people think that you uh, got your arm twisted between two players' helmets on purpose? And Akeem's just like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, why are you bringing that up? You know, I'm being very respectful. I don't think that's appropriate to talk about that. You know what? And I'm done with this interview, and I'm not coming back on. And 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 people were jumping on him, calling him soft and sensitive, and and <clears throat> you know this, that, and the other. Um, at the end of the day, Akeem Hicks is a very emotional player. It's one of the things I love about him. He's one of my favorite players on the team. It's one of the things that, that Bears fans love about him is that he's he runs with such high emotion and plays with such high emotion, and he's you know an absolute warrior out there. Um, and uh, you know it's got to be killing him this season with all the expectations and you know everything that was put on this season following up his Pro Bowl year that he finally got to have been injured in this way and to watch the team miss him so much. And then for Waddle to kind of make this kind of offhanded crack about his arm was just stupid. Like it was just a stupid thing to do. And maybe Akeem reacted a little bit sharply. Um, but at the end of the day, like <clears throat> it's, it was his reaction. 
Um, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to fault the guy for saying, you know what, I'm, I don't want to, this isn't what I'm here for. I'm done, you know, um, and, you know, he hung up. And a lot of people on Twitter are like, oh, Tom Waddle played. He knows. He's a player. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you are a player, so you should know better than to to make light of something like that, um, you know, which because it was almost a season-ending injury. And at the end of the day, Akeem Hicks, <clears throat> he's, a, he's a volatile guy. You know, I always feel like Akeem Hicks, when he's talking to the media, is always a little bit on the edge of being like, you know what, screw you guys. <laughs> he's got this little bit of a sarcastic kind of a passive aggressive, uh, you know, and, but he's very sharp and he's very honest and he's very real. Um, so, yeah, it was it was disappointing on, on the part of Waddle. Um, and it's also been disappointing seeing some of the other uh, ESPN people sort of rally around Waddle and act like Hakeem's the bad guy in this situation. Um, you know, the, I think we have an unfair standard <clears throat> for these athletes, what we want them to be. You know, and I put a little thread on Twitter about it where I just think, you know, it's not it's not fair what we expect. You know, we want them to be, you know, uh, these monsters on Sunday, but then, you know, uh, it's not okay for them to show their emotion at other times. And, you know, we want them to be this and then, but not that. And it's just, you know, it, it's not fair that the, the amount of scrutiny and coverage and microscope that these guys are under nowadays um, is is insane. It's very challenging. I don't think that they, the the uh, Athletes of the 80s and 90s would have fared particularly well under the type of scrutiny uh, that these players have to deal with, with social media and so on and so forth. So it's unfortunate. I I hope that they work it out. But, you know, it's just kind of another sort of um, sad state of affairs because, you know, you had Akeem sort of agree to do this this weekly hit with them. And and I'm sure when he agreed to it, he thought things were going to be good. You know, and now it's been, you know, he's an injured player who gets to talk about them losing every week. And I'm sure it's starting to weigh on him. Um, and the same thing with, you know, Eddie Jackson has a regular hit on 670. Allen Robinson has a regular hit on 670. Um, it's, you know, and, and a lot of what we end up talking about is stuff like this. And as far as the fans booing, I'm not going to tell people not to boo but I, I've been critical of the fans because I feel like that they've been overly quick to boo. I mean, we, they've been booing this team since the first quarter of the first game. Like, they were ready to boo the minute they didn't see what they thought they were going to see, which apparently, you know, we were all ready for this juggernaut to just march right to the Super Bowl. And... You know, I think that this team has has definitely played to a level where they deserve some booze. Um, but you can't act like the players are not going to be affected by that. And the players have lots of avenues to voice their opinions and, the, and what they want to say right now. And they're going to do that. And so if, if the fans want to have their voices heard, then the players get to have their voices heard. And the fans don't get to be like, oh, we pay your salary. Shut up. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not reality. You know, your your two tickets a year that you bought and your one jersey doesn't pay the salary. You know, the salaries are paid by giant television companies that 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 sell us advertising. Um, you know, so I'm tired of seeing these faceless people on Twitter who are who can't even show their face on Twitter, but then are going to call a player 
who puts their entire lives out in front of people for to dissect soft. Like, who's soft? The person who's hiding behind a Twitter profile that's fake and going at a player and their wives on Twitter or, or somebody who puts their livelihood and their health on the line every weekend for your entertainment and then, you know, you want to call them soft. It's a joke. I don't think I follow Tom Waddle on Twitter, but uh, I don't know if I've seen an apology from him yet. Um, but yesterday, after the uh, the incident, uh, Akeem did go on Twitter and say these two tweets. So you don't joke about someone's nearly season-ending injury. It's just not funny. I shouldn't have lost my cool, but to err is human, to forgive is divine. The other tweet he also posted was your actions and he's talking to the at Waddle and Sylvie. So your actions speak for themselves. 13 years on air and with other athletes has no bearing on when it comes to right and wrong. And you making light of a serious injury is not what athletes come on the show for. And he's absolutely right. And talking about what you just commented about fans there was a, a fan on Twitter that started heaping abuse on Leno's spouse online. And I looked at it, and I'm like, my God. It's just, and, I, 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 and I told him, I said, you're a moron. You're an absolute moron for going after the, uh, the wife of, of a Bears player. I, said, I mean, just go away. You should actually have your Bears fan card revoked and uh, she she actually sent me a message thanking me for saying what I said to him. Yes, we do have a right to boo. I have exercised that right for decades when I'm at Bears games, and you know, obviously, I can't do it at home. Although there's sometimes where I want to, but yeah, it's we have we have every right to to voice our displeasure when it's in the heat of the moment at watching a game, but after the game is over, they're people just like we're people. We hold them to a higher standard, but just sometimes it doesn't work out. This season has been the perfect example of that. We've had trouble on all three phases of the game uh, at certain times. The, the defenses looked stellar most of the time, but they've had their, their hiccups in other games. There, you know, you start the game off on special teams by kicking the ball out of out of bounds and giving the, the Giants the ball on the 40-yard line. That's not good. You know, you you have all these mishaps on an extra point and end up trying to kick a 48-yard extra point into the wind. That's not good. You have a brain fart defensively in the fourth quarter. That wasn't good, and, and the offense absolutely was miserable in the first quarter, aside from the drive, you know, the, was it the second drive of the game that, that ended up in with the interception in the end zone. Get your act together, and, you know, Bears fans, I don't care if 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 you're 5-6 and six right now. If you end up being 10-6 and six and, and miss the playoffs, you're going to have your fans back because you won six straight games. <coughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are tired of seeing the same stuff. I mean, that's what killed me about the Giants game was that it was the same stuff. Bad start, 
uneven quarterback play, bad special teams play, bad fourth quarter defense. We've seen this in every single game this year. So I get the frustration on the part of the fans. My point is just don't expect the players to not react to that. This idea that that fans get to say whatever they want to say and the, and, it, and it shouldn't affect the players and the players shouldn't get to say anything back is just not reality. Um, so that's my thing. It's like, you know, we want we want to say what we want to say to the players. And then when we see them out at dinner, we want them to to take time to sign for our kids, you know, or at the at training camp. We want them to stand there in the heat for an hour signing stuff. Um and it's just it's not reality. They don't have to do it. You know, the, the, the coaches don't have to to be as candid as as Matt Nagy is, but he does it every week. And I think sometimes it's, it's to his detriment. You know, he could be like Belichick and just say nothing every week, um, you know, and, or John Fox, you know, and be very evasive and, and not say a damn thing. It might be it might be in his best interest to, to be more like that. But he had to his credit, he hasn't chosen to go that route. And he's kind of led us inside his process, which sometimes has made him look worse than and better. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and and I also think, I think for the most part, the media has been pretty, pretty easy on them this year for as badly as things have gone. I also don't buy this idea that the media wants the Bears to fail. Um, because the, the, ultimately, the, the better the Bears are, the better it is for everybody. More newspapers sell, you know, if that's even a thing anymore. The more websites get clicked on, the more blogs, the more podcasts, the more TV shows, the more all of it. It's it's better for everybody if the Bears are good. So, you know, the, the media is not out here trying to, to, uh, to, you know, make sure the Bears are bad. Um, but I think at times they go for the the low-hanging fruit and the low-hanging fruit that gets people fired up is stuff like this you know Mm. and it's it's just unfortunate um and i think it's sloppy at the end of the day you know it is just a sloppy thing that tom waddle did i think you know it, it in if it was timed a little bit better and phrased a little bit better akeem hicks might not have reacted the way that he did but he interrupted him and he said it he, you know, said it in kind of a weird way, and he kind of wanted to make a joke about it, and it's just, you know, <laughs> the guy had a natural reaction, and, yep. you know, it is what it is. And it, it just wasn't that funny. No. <laughs> so, you know, all, well said, Aaron, well said. Every every episode on Halitech Hall, we talk a little bit about Bears history, and the Bears are, of course, playing on Thanksgiving uh, again this year, uh, that makes it uh, the the third time in you know four four or five years. They 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 played Green Bay in 2015. They played last year uh, against uh, Detroit, and they're playing of course back to back years in Detroit. And they've won two two those last two games. So we're hoping that that trend continues. Uh, the Bears have only played 35 times on Thanksgiving, but they've won 18 of them. There's been two ties with 15 losses. The first time they ever played a Thanksgiving game, they actually played the first year in their existence as the Decatur Staley's uh, when when uh, they played, I believe it was the Chicago Tigers uh Red Grange's very first game ever as a Chicago Bear in 1925 was on Thanksgiving Day. But I think the the 
at least the, the best game that I've ever witnessed the Bears play on Thanksgiving took place, uh, and this is actually the anniversary of that game 39 years ago. Uh, December 27, 1980, the Bears were playing Detroit. Vince Evans was their quarterback. Uh, and it didn't look like it was going to be a, a very interesting game. It, quite honestly, they were trailing 17-3 to three entering the fourth quarter. Uh, but uh, they, they kicked a field goal. Um, and on the last drive of regulation, Vince Evans took the ball downfield. He literally he scored himself on the last play of regulation to tie the game. 17-17, and then they won the coin toss. The coin toss was the most significant thing about that, that overtime because Bears uh, won the, the toss. Bears player Dave Williams grabbed the ball at the five-yard line, headed upfield, broke around the left side, and had a clear run to the end zone, and the Bears won the game 23-17. to I know you weren't around then, Aaron, but uh, I'm sure you've either seen or read or saw some videos of that game. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on that game? And do you have any other special memories of Bears on Thanksgiving? Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of uh, specific memories of the Bears on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, my memories of football on Thanksgiving are all – you know, kind of around uh, John Madden and uh, the, the the turkey legs and giving out the turkey legs. And then, of course, you know, we normally um, get to see the, uh, you know, the the, the lions um, and, you know, and the, the cowboys are typically playing. Uh, it does seem that, you know, of late, um, you know, the bears, uh, you know, are, are a frequent um, Thanksgiving participant. Um you know, so, uh, you know, I don't I don't have a ton of specific memories with regard to that. I definitely don't have a strong memory of the game you talked about, um, you know, but what I will say, as I said before about Thanksgiving, is it just seems to be one of those things where Thanksgiving games are weird. You know, they just have some weird energy to them, um, you know, and so you see some, you know, you see some things that. Uh, that you might not otherwise see and uh, the players, um, you know, really get up for it uh, because they know that everybody else is watching. Um, you know, I think the the Thanksgiving games, even though now that there's so many of them, um, when there only used to be a couple, especially, you know, the players really, you know, it's a, it's a special kind of stage for them to be on. You know, literally everybody is watching, um, you know, uh, almost like a Super Bowl. Um, so players uh, get up for it, and sometimes that's a bad thing. You know, they can, um, you know, I think maybe get a little too hyped. But sometimes that's a good thing. I think mm -hmm. one of the things that we've seen this year uh, talking about being overhyped is that's when we see Mitch overthrow his, his receivers. Yeah. Is early in game, so is he is he overhyped for for those? The adrenaline's obviously flowing, and uh, as as the season has has gone on, he desperately and you can see it in his face. He desperately wants to succeed, 
and you get a you get a missed assignment and he gets sacked or he overthrows a receiver or he he gets rushed and he his footwork isn't right and he misfires a pass and you can just see it just eats at him and eats at him and he's just got to throw caution to the wind he's got to get a little Brett Favre in him for for lack of a, a better explanation and just go out and play the game because when he just goes out and plays the game he does well mm-hmm. so hopefully yeah. we'll see that we'll see that on Thanksgiving and you know when we come back next week we're going to be talking about the the Vikings or the the Lions game on Thanksgiving the Bears also play another Thursday game next week when the, the Dallas Cowboys come to town for a, a primetime game and another primetime game and probably the last one of the year uh, when they when they host the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. Uh, I don't think that the Kansas City game uh, will stay as the primetime game on Sunday night. I'm, I'm almost positive that game's got to be flexed because there's so many other better games that, that are out there. Uh, with with better playoff implications. So um, it'll probably be the last time we see the Bears on prime time. Aaron, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. It's always a pleasure doing this show with you. I appreciate the fans who listen in uh, and appreciate the fans who have chimed in with some some thoughts. Uh, uh, We appreciate all of our winners of all of our Bears tickets this year. Uh, both on this show and the the, the tailgate show, uh, and we hope to uh, to continue to do that next year with uh, with Bears tickets if uh, TickSplits continues to sponsor our show. So, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving to all of the friends out in on the in, on the Podbean network and Apple Podcasts and Twitter who are following our show and listening to our podcasts. And hopefully next week we can talk about uh, stacking a victory on top of the game against uh, the Giants that we had last week. So, Aaron, I'm going to let you uh, take us out. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening, everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game. Um, and, you know, just uh, let's let's uh, let's take a moment. Let's take stock and let's just be um, let's just be kind to each other, kind to the players. Uh, remember, you know, that uh, we do this for fun. Um, you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's not life and death. Um, so, um, let's enjoy, uh, this game and it is a game. Um, and you know, just, uh, take a moment. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I have one more thing I want to add, uh, as, as we mentioned, this, this edition is being recorded on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving today is, November 27th, and it's a very special day in my life, but also a very somber day in my life. Uh, I want to dedicate this episode to my my oldest son, Chris. Uh, Chris taught me to be a better person and be passionate about life because he never had a bad day that I can ever recall in his, in his life. Uh, my son Chris died in July of 2016 after an anoxic brain injury uh, when he aspirated after uh, suffering through a cold. 
he uh, he ended up being in a vegetative state for three and a half months before he passed away in July. Uh, as soon as this show is finished recording, I am going to be getting in my car and driving down uh, from my home in Monroe to, to Monroe, Wisconsin, to Displains uh, to visit his gravesite. I always visit his gravesite on his birthday. Uh, so I wanted to say happy birthday, Chris. I know you're watching. I loved your passion for life, and, and because of you, I'm a better person for it. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, you know, it's a it's a somber reminder that uh, you know every day is not promised. So, so uh, you know, thank you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>